Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim Harris will continue in the book of Mark with chapter 14, verses 12 through 21. It's the preparation for the last Passover in which Jesus institutes the practice of Christian communion to replace the old remembrance called the Passover. With the arrival of the Messiah and the shedding of his blood as our once-for-all sacrifice for sin, that which foreshadowed his ultimate sacrifice would no longer be necessary. What the Passover and the sacrifices symbolized before Christ, what those only foreshadowed, has now, through Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, been fulfilled. And we practice this memorial every time we come together to participate in it. Pastor Jim will connect what Jesus institutes here with all that had come before as a symbolic reminder of what only Jesus could eventually accomplish. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Last Passover. On the first day of unleavened bread, that's the seven-day feast beginning with Passover, the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? They'd done this three times. They knew what Jesus would want done. So it says, and he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city. That would mean the city of Jerusalem, because remember, they spent all the nights of that week at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany, just a a short walk from the city of Jerusalem. Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room? in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. The disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, let's, let's massage this a little bit and get a few juicy morsels out of this. It says <coughs> his Disciples, plural, asked where he wanted to eat the Passover. The group was present for the initial question and whatever discussion they may have had about where they would eat it. But Mark tells us that when it came to actually making the plan to get ready for the Passover, Jesus sent two of his disciples Now, we have to do a lot of harmonizing of the four Gospels to get all the details of this night. Luke 22.8 tells us that the two that Jesus sent were Peter and John, two of the three in his most innermost circle. Now, let's connect some dots here. Jesus knew that Judas had already sold out and made the plan to betray him. Jesus 
was at least as smart as Judas. Yeah, being omniscient, I guess he was. And he understood the Passover meal would be the best opportunity for him to be arrested out of the public eye. It would be in the evening. Few people would be in the streets, given what was going on that night. They were going to be meeting in a private place. So that would satisfy the desire of the murder plotters that it not be done in public and they wouldn't cause a riot. So to thwart the most likely plan of Judas, Jesus arranged for the Passover meal to be in a secret location. It was brilliant of him to send Peter and John alone and only them to prepare the Passover. And when Jesus told those two, presumably in the presence of the other ten, where they were to go and what, were, and what they were to do, there were no names given. He didn't say, go to Joe's house. He, he didn't say, uh, you know, go to the corner of, of Main and Elm Street. He, he gave this rather strange set of instructions. That way, Judas couldn't know in advance where they were going to eat the Passover meal. The instructions were for Peter and John, go and prepare the Passover for us. And, Mark says, and they prepared the Passover. Now, I think it's a legitimate assumption to say that apparently Peter and John didn't return to the group. We're going to see in a moment that the 12 were all there, and there you could read into that that all 12 of them and Jesus arrived at the same time. But it makes more sense to say that Jesus sent Peter and John. And when you think about the amount of stuff that would have to be prepared, even if the room was prepared, getting all of the things together, and next week we'll talk more about the details of the, of the Passover meal. is a pretty complicated thing. So probably... Those two spent the rest of the afternoon making those preparations. Judas never knew where it was until they got there. He couldn't tip off the Jewish leaders. Then once the supper began, he would have no plausible reason to leave until it was over. I, I have a twisted, snarky little mind that always is playing games with things. I love that Jesus trapped Judas in his own hypocrisy. He was such a good hypocrite, all of them were fooled except Jesus. And Judas would have blown his cover if he had tried to bolt from there and go get the chief priests. So he's not going to be able to do that until after the meal is over, and we'll see how that plays out. That's all the more poignant that Judas had to come up with that pretense to slip out after the meal to arrange for him to be arrested later in the garden where he was pretty sure that Jesus would be. No one is able to tamper with the will of God. No one is able to tamper with the timing of God to implement His will. And I just kind of get a kick out of Jesus messing with Judas right up to the end. Now, I don't think Jesus was motivated the way I would be, but that's Jesus. All Jesus told Peter and John was, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. 
follow him. Now, that's significant for more than one reason and maybe more significant than it looks like. In the big picture, it shows Jesus' sovereignty and deity. You would have to be omniscient and omnipotent to be able to make sure that exactly the right man would be in exactly the right place at exactly the right time that the two apostles that you sent would be there and that they would bump into each other. What a coincidence. Now, it's also significant that he said, you'll see a man carrying a pitcher of water. Why is that significant? Well, normally, that was a task done by women. Sorry, ladies, but that's the way it was back then. When I was in uh, India, I I found out how, or or, uh, I guess it was Eri and Jai, I found out how, how the men gather firewood. They tell the women, we need firewood. And the women go out and cut the firewood, pile it onto their heads and carry it into the city. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty good deal those guys have going for them. Well, there was work for womankind and work for menkind, and men don't do women's work. It, it would have been a surprise. It would have been unusual for a man to be carrying a, a pitcher of water. It would stand out. That's how they were to know that they had found the right person. It's also how Jesus could keep the identity of the owner of the room a secret as well as keeping the location a secret. Presumably, the apostles didn't know this man, didn't give a name. You will see a man carrying a pitcher. And notice Jesus also made made sure only one man was carrying water. They didn't have to interview nine different guys that they saw carrying a pitcher of water. And then he tells them, follow him. Now, that required some pretty explicit trust on the part of Peter and John. They must have been perplexed by that instruction. They didn't know that Jesus was keeping the location from Jesus, uh, from Judas. They had seen them set up for the Passover before, so that, that must have been perplexing. But they did just as they were told. Not knowing the man, not knowing where he was going, kept the location of the Passover meal shielded from Judas and the others. It's also significant that Jesus said, wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? That tells us that the owner of the house was a true disciple. He regarded Jesus as the teacher. He was probably uh, humbled and honored to have this privilege to provide this place. It also tells us that Jesus had made a prior arrangement with this man. And that again shows Jesus has full awareness of every single detail of all that it will take to not only to fulfill the plan of redemption, but to have the private time with the 11 believing disciples to give them that spectacular array of teaching in John 13, 14, 15, and 16 without the betrayer around. He had to work all of this out, and he did. Now, I'll admit, I'll admit, Another possibility is if Jesus had not gone and made prior arrangements with this man, maybe he just supernaturally put this desire into the heart of the owner of this house. 
Well, if he did, that's just even a more spectacular demonstration of his deity. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.